pencil in the apocalypse. I gotta get up at five o'clock in the morning and sparkle, Neely, sparkle. I know what some of your big city no bra wearing hairy legged women livers might say. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 202 of Maximum Film. And I'm so excited to jump into this with my friends. Because as you know, I talk about movies in the booth with my friends. And let me introduce you to thems. First up, we have the Christmas Zaddy himself. And now that I'm not in a fugue state, I know we are deep in Christmas in July. For some reason, at the beginning of July, I said that we were exiting it. I have not forgotten that mistake <laughs> I've made. I've been thinking about it all up until this record. Alonzo, what's good? Oh, Iffy, uh, I'll tell you, what's good is some of the Emmy nominations. Um <laughs> Most notably, Bowen Yang for SNL, uh, MJ Rodriguez for Pose, the, the everything involving hacks. But I got to say, uh, for all the effort that Amazon put into getting nominations for uh, The Boys, uh, I was really crushed to see that none of the actors from uh, The Underground Railroad were nominated and that there were exactly zero nominations for Small Axe, which listeners will recall we devoted two whole weeks to, uh, nothing, nada, zip, zero. So I'm all the more thrilled that LA Film Critics gave it Best Picture this year for all the people who complained at us that we gave Best Picture to a TV show because the fucking Emmys are supposed to honor TV shows and they didn't honor Small Axe. Here, so that's here. what's good with me, I guess. <laughs> it, so it definitely sounds good. So good. So good. Everything's good. We're good. Yeah, I was going to say, that sounds like a what's bad. Uh, but he started, I'm sure not he positive, started, you know. Yeah, he started with some sweet. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. And, yeah. And congratulations to my friend Amy for two nominations for editing Mayor of Easttown. Well done. Hey. Way to go, Alonzo's friend Amy. Yes. Oh, man. Speaking of friends, friend of, of everyone all across the world, and most notably queen of the Midwest, Dre Clark. What's good? Ah, uh, friend to many, enemy to more. <laughs> um, what's good with me is, so you guys, uh, I was going to say that I'm super youthful and therefore I watch YouTube, but the reality is if I was pretending to be youthful, I'd be watching TikTok. Mm. But YouTube, um, who has the time? What's what's a YouTube? But I do, I follow um, a few different kids on, they're not kids, they're grown humans on YouTube. And there's um, this pair of Canadian young ladies who have a YouTube channel called the Sorry Girls. And I enjoy it highly. They do a lot of like thrift flips and home decor and cool design stuff. And How are they spelling sorry? They, they spell it correctly. They definitely pronounce it Canadian. Ah. Um, but one of the reasons that I, it's like, they're bringing me double goodness right now on top of being like women who are competent with power tools and encouraging for other people to get that way is, I don't know if you guys remember this, but last summer there was like a lot of talk of racial awareness and injustices cooked into our systems. And I'm going to put all this time into educating myself and learning. And the sorry girls are one of the few things like, corporate or otherwise that have not only followed through on that like they are regularly featuring um designers and inventors and just builders that are people of color and like uplifting their work and they've also started this thing they do these little makeovers at like small rental cabins and stuff and they always start by acknowledging the lands of the indigenous people that they happen to be on for these and it's just heartening they're this 
you know, again, they're they're a YouTube channel and they've built a business for themselves and I highly enjoy watching it. But it's such a small thing to be like, oh, actual what seems like sincere follow through of people who are like trying to live by all this stuff that everybody else got bandwagony about. Not everybody else. Certainly other people live aboard that bandwagon very rightfully. Yes, well, I, the, unlike, say, all the corporations who made all the rainbows disappear on July 1st. <laughs> yes, <laughs> or vowed to, like, help out and then since then have, like, given money to politicians who are, like, mm-hmm. literally stormed the castle. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, we have fun. Anyway, the, su- <laughs> the Surrey girls. Sur- Surrey. So- sorry. 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 Yeah, yeah, I'm looking uh, at uh, Kelsey... Marys. Kelsey and uh, Becky. Yeah, I'm looking at the Insta. The Insta is very, uh, it's what, what the youths call uh, aesthetic. They have an aesthetic looking nice. I'll, Good. Yeah. All right. They got the double, the iffy, the iffy <laughs> nice. Yeah. <laughs> hey, speaking of iffy, what's good with you? Oh, man, what is good with me? Thank you. That was a solid segue. Uh, Yeah, what's good with me is I went to Idlewild. It was a great time, Mm. and I was in a yurt. Uh, you know, just uh, spent a lot of time naked in a yurt and enjoying, uh, enjoying, you know, just nature. Uh, it's it's the it's the best I think glamping experience. Uh, if you didn't know, like you can actually go on Airbnb and they'll say like. We interesting stays and it'll be like a trailer on a beach and like <laughs> a yurt or like there was this really cool like tree house in like uh I want to say somewhere in like the Yellowstone-esque area so like you'll get those like weirder ones where it's like hey you're you you're young uh <laughs> you, you you're not that worried about your health and having that good of sleep or uh, comfort one, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> try this out uh and it's and it was fun i had a good time got a good hike in and now i'm feeling recharged more okay. more recharged than i ever felt naked in new york colon the if waterway story yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> well that's that's actually the theme of the next chapter of the if collection naked in new york <laughs> films to watch while relaxing uh, <laughs> doesn't julianne Moore wind up in a yurt and safe <laughs> Well, uh, let me uh, let me uh, that check seems that right. Out. That seems yeah. right. Oh, I love it. Listen, I love a year at me. I mean, Ooh, yeah, don't get me wrong. Look, I'm getting there. I'm you know, I'm working my way up to the pontoon. I've done the kayak, <laughs> I've done the yurt, and now I'll, I'm gonna be in the pontoon soon enough. I'll be in the pontoon soon, soon <laughs> in a pontoon. <laughs> Which hopefully <laughs> you won't flip with the ease with which you did the no, kayak. No, yeah, almost <laughs> we'll impossible. See. We'll see, he just I'm gonna accepted be that dancing. challenge. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> be doing the first on water production of Stomp, uh, Andreas, <laughs> Andreas Pontu. Uh, <laughs> I welcome that. Mm. Yeah. So today we'll be discussing Black Widow. We'll be taking a Black Widow related quiz. And as always, we'll have our staff picks. But first, it's time for our new segment, Ididic. Show for Is This Important? Do I Care? Each of us will read a new segment and answer the question Is This Important? Do I Care? And first up, we got Greta Gerwig to direct the Barbie movie with Margot Robbie. A live-action Barbie movie has been in the works for several years now. As you may remember, Margot Robbie signed on to produce and act in the film, but in an interview with British Vogue, she also confirmed that Greta Gerwig would not only co-write the screenplay with her husband Noah Baumbach, but she's also going to direct the film. 
Here's what Robbie had to say about the project. People generally hear Barbie and think, I know what that movie's going to be. Then they hear that Greta Gerwig is writing and directing it, and they're like, oh, well, maybe I didn't. Uh, Is this important? Do you care? I enjoy this pairing, and she's exactly right. I heard Margot Robbie and Barbie and was like, yep, got it. It'll make money. I bet there's some fun to it, but got it. And then the Greta Gerwig and as director, but also co-writing with Noah Baumbach. Um, <laughs> that yeah. the, I enjoyed the like, oh, I'm going to detour right now. My oh. expectations are headed off road. Well, I'm already getting some light leaks, and it seems like it's going to be marriage story from the new woman's perspective, uh, but it's going to be played by Barbie. So, uh, so uh, I'm ready. I'm ready, Greta. I'm ready. No, I, I yeah, absolutely. The, 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 I'm a hundred thousand percent more interested in wanting to see this movie, given that those who that's who's doing it, as opposed to like, oh, it's going to be like the Bratz movie, you know, but with Barbie. Um, <laughs> Ah, yes, the Bratz movie. It's going to be more like Mistress America then. Okay, well then, yes, that Barbie is a movie I want to see. Yeah, that's actually a good point because this is a Warner Brothers film, also a weird curveball, and they're shooting it at Levston Studios in London, which is like, not just, to me, I'm basically all those things together make me wonder if this is going to be a period piece. Um, Like there's there's money and... uh, resources going into this film that just make it such an exciting curio cabinet. I, I want over the course of the film, Margot Robbie to be both uh, working in a McDonald's and an astronaut. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and definitely needs to like live in a house that is like covered in vinyl and has like a snap on the top. Oh my, I want the house to look like the Barbie dream house so badly. I can't even tell you. <laughs> well, that's, that's my uh, funny nerdy information. I don't know why I know. Uh, side of this because like there is a pretty like well-established like Barbie lore that has been going on with the Barbie YouTube channel. That's actually pretty good. It's been like taught, you know, very oh, the YouTube channel that yeah, very yeah. young people listen to and watch. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just yeah. like all the youngest, coolest people watching YouTube. <laughs> sure, young, sure. But yeah. yeah and, and the Barbie there, like it's, it's like Barbie running her own vlog. And she says like all these like inspirational things to like little girls and like tells them to go into STEM. And I was actually like, this is really cool. So I'm curious, like, how this is going to stand. Like, is there going to be any crossovers? Because I think if there is, those Barbie stands are going to be like, this isn't the Barbie I talk to on YouTube. <laughs> uh, so this is going to be very interesting. I don't uh, know. They, they that, I mean, like, you want to talk marketing and synergy. Barbie, Mattel knows what they're doing. Like, they've had yeah. the Barbie brand on lock for literal decades. They, there's not even another. It's not a market. It's just Barbie. Barbie's like Kleenex. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, and yeah. there has been like a run of Barbie animated features directed yes. video for years now. I watched the Christmas Carol one when I was researching yeah. my yes, book. You did. And, yes, you did. Uh, you know, and it's there's a whole lot of different adventures they've been sending her out on for a while now. So I guess they, they, there is a... There's a there's already a, a, a construct in place of what she is and isn't and does and doesn't do, but I imagine that that Gerwig and Baumbach are going to like push the limits of that as much as they can. I'm very <laughs> much looking forward to who they cast for Ken. I think oh. that will also unlock a lot of oh, PJ yes. Skipper, <laughs> the whole universe. No, I want them to cast Andrew Rannells. I want 
a closeted Ken. <laughs> like I've wanted nothing more in my life. Yeah. Uh, how much you want to bet it's Adam Driver? Just a hunch. <laughs> <laughs> blonde. A blonde Adam Driver. Oh. Gosh, the moment you said blonde Adam Driver, I decided I wanted to see that. <laughs> I've decided that that is what I want to see. He just bought the ticket. Good. It wasn't everything else, but that's yeah, what got yeah, you. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I have no idea how to segue out of a blonde Adam Driver. We're no. just going to go right into director Brian De Palma. Yes. The man between the man behind Carrie Scarface, The Untouchables, and the first Mission Impossible film was a recent guest on a Light the Fuse podcast talking about his career. On the show, he discussed the first time he saw George Lucas's Star Wars in an early screening. And here's what he had to say. I did make a joke about the force. That's true. <laughs> tell, us, tell us what your opinion of the force was. I just thought the idea of the force is like, you know, the force, I would say. But I kept repeating it, you know, like, it doesn't seem like a great name for this kind of spiritual guidance. The force. So needless to say, I had a lot to say about the force, which obviously I was terribly wrong about. Is this important? Do you care? I enjoy Ryan De Palma so much. <laughs> I enjoy that unlike, I mean, I'm all for artists making movies till their last breath or painting <laughs> paintings till the fall over at the canvas. Yes, do whatever you want. But De Palma said like four or five years ago, he was retiring from Hollywood. And then since that, he, and actually tying into our previous Itadic, he there's a great documentary about him currently yes. on Hulu, co-directed by Noah Baumbach. Noah Baumbach, that's right. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With, uh, with uh, Jake Paltrow, yes. the other director. But De Palma is like, oh, not only am I like retiring, I'm also just like a comfortable old man. I, does someone want me to talk truth somewhere? Like, <laughs> I don't, there's no such thing as skeletons in closets. Just like, come check out my closets. And and it's also, this is such a non, um, it's a non-issue. Do you know what I mean? Like, he's just saying, yeah, I guess I was wrong in a snap judgment. I made it a test screening a thousand yeah. years ago. Um, but that there's still some kind of spice to it is it's enjoyable to me. Well, and, oh, yeah. and here's a guy who was like had a front row seat for the whole thing because you know the whole thing, the whole legend of Carrie and Star Wars. They basically had their auditions together, so like all these same actors went through and read both for Lucas and for De Palma, and so you know it's uh, somewhere there's a universe where like you know Carrie Fisher plays Carrie, and you know Han Solo is William Cat, you know uh, anything is possible. Um, so yeah, you know, he's, he's, he's of that generation. And obviously I'm sure that, you know, as in everything, it's like, yeah, we're, we're, we're old friends and we came up together, but you know, there's a total pecking order where they, they all just sort of stand back and look at George Lucas and like, how did he with that accomplish this, you know? And, and so, yeah, uh, please tell me more, Brian DePalma. I want to hear it all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, I. It's so funny because he's like, I guess I was wrong, but he, every point he made was valid. <laughs> like, it's, it's just like, yeah, I don't know how the force works. It just did. Like, and sometimes that's what happens. Sometimes <laughs> you when know. you say, I guess I was wrong, you just mean don't at me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm now obsessed with thinking of the pecking order. And it is, I mean, for the, the people that may not know this, there is something so fun thinking of the fact that these men that we look at as such auteurs and giants from this particular era were like 
film school buddies and slept on each other's couches and the idea like oh yeah you know who's friends is like George Lucas and Steven Spielberg and Brian De Palma and yeah. Francis Ford Coppola, like all of the things. And it's, it's that idea. Most of them of, dated Margot Kidder at some point. You know? <laughs> if they were lucky. And then it is, it's like, Oh, is this sort of outliers? Like they just all put in the hours and, and got these careers. But now I'm obsessed with the pecking order. I want to think that these dudes have group chats. I want to think that Brian De Palma meant to send a snotty comment to Coppola about Lucas and instead sent it to the full group <laughs> chat. Like, there's a whole rich world. I want the I HBO limited this. series about this period of Hollywood history <laughs> yes. with Adam Driver and Andrew Rannells in it, please. In whatever hair color they want. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Oh. Well, you know, now that we put that out into the universe, hopefully, uh, you know, someone's writing that script right now. But until then, we're going to take a break. But when we come back, we'll be talking about Black Widow. Hello, I'm Riley Smurl. I'm Sydney McElroy. And I'm Taylor Smurl. And we host Still Buffering, a cross-generational guide to the culture that made us. Every week, we share media that made us who we are. Things like Archie Comics, Sailor Moon, and lots of Taylor Swift. And now that Riley's an adult, it comes with 100% more butts. And now I am totally comfortable with it. So check out new episodes of Still Buffering every Thursday on MaximumFun.org. Butts, butts, butts. Join in, Riley. Butts, 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 All right, so we are here to talk to you once again about our buddy Storyblocks. Storyblocks is dedicated to being the world's best royalty-free stock media subscription service with an ever-growing library that has more than 1 million high-quality stock assets, including 4K HD footage, After Effects and Premiere Pro templates, music, images, sound effects, and more. Yes, indeed. They have affordable subscription plans and tools. And with Storyblocks Unlimited All Access Plan, you get unlimited downloads of everything in their library. And even if your subscription ends, everything that you've downloaded is yours to keep. Restock is an ongoing initiative to capture footage of those underrepresented in stock to increase diversity in stock footage. Ain't that great? It, it is. I, I super admire that they're doing that. And, you know, it, what they're offering you is pretty much just like the world at your fingertips. You know, you want some visuals that are going to, uh, you know, send people to the right place or, or remind them or evoke a mood, whatever it is you're trying to do with your visual storytelling, providing you the music, providing you, uh, you know, the way to do your on-screen graphics, all of that stuff. I think, you know, in the past, you probably had to run around to a bunch of different places and see what you could get. And, you know, it was uh, the, 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 the cost, no doubt, was prohibitive. But now anybody at home who wants to make their own kind of personal projects or online projects look special, look great, have that professional feel, uh, they can reach for Storyblocks and have it all there. And again, yeah, that's the great part. Even if your prescription, your subscription runs out, unlike, say, if your Disney Plus subscription runs out and you bought uh, Black Widow, too bad, but you get to keep everything that you downloaded from Storyblocks. Nice. Way to make it timely. Yes. <laughs> Explore their library. Subscribe today at storyblocks.com slash maxfilm. That's storyblocks.com slash M-A-X-F-I-L-M. 
Welcome back to Maximum Film. I'm your host, Ifuadiwe, and in the studio with me are... Drea Clark. Alonzo Duralde. And today we're talking about Black Widow. So Alonzo, would you mind giving us a brief synopsis of the film? Oh, sure. Uh, so this is set somewhere between Captain America Civil War and Avengers Infinity War. So Natasha is on the run. And uh, while she's on the run, she winds up uh, receiving a package that is the MacGuffin of the movie, which basically draws her back into her past. Not just the widow's training program where she was turned uh, by the Russians into a super spy, but by the... Uh, proto the Americans family that she grew up in in suburban Ohio where she and her sister were actually not living with their real parents but with um, two spies who were deep deep undercover until they had to run off one night and flee to Cuba um, so she's got to get the gang back together then being her sister played by Florence Pugh her dad played by David Harbour and her mom Rachel Weiss and together they have to team up to um, foil the nefarious plans of uh, Ray Winstone as the guy who runs the Widows program and who um, wants to do terrible, terrible things. And because this is a prequel, it doesn't really amount to much because we know what happens. We know that Natasha is not going to survive the uh, the whole thing with Thanos. Uh, but we do have three new cool characters introduced into the MCU. And uh, four, if you count the one in the closing credit sequence, although if you've, been, if you've been keeping up with the Disney Plus shows, you'll know who that is. So, yeah, that's it. <laughs> I would I would argue that this uh, does amount to more, but not story wise, which I sure. think is what you mean. Yes. Um, I was so struck by I was very happy. This is directed by an Australian um, director named Kate Shortland, mm -hmm. um, who I think handled it so well this movie was so much funnier than i was expecting yes i was hoping and sort of sensed that there would be a kind of jason Bourne, james bond espionage tone and there was but it also had it was a lot more fun and crackly a lot of that is due to the performances um uh, but, i found i found out by the way sorry just in yeah. terms of the, the humor of the piece the uh, are you on your period scene was written by nicole holofsener oh my god bless <laughs> bless bless and that's actually that scene resonates in so many ways like yes. this this movie i think it would be very easy to watch and enjoy black widow having seen no other marvel movies absolutely but i also as you know we've watched most of them together and for me, there were so many threaded things in terms of callbacks to lines, callbacks to the concept of ledgers, callbacks to, you know, she, we've heard since the first Avengers movie 10 years ago, she and uh, Clint Barton have referred to like what happened in Budapest, right. Pest, however you want to say it. And so there were so many things in this that like I found so satisfying and that also cycled back to make what we know is coming for Natasha in Endgame feel so much more poignant and mm. so much more like meaningful in terms of what she yeah what she's been through what she just accomplished outside of it and I you got, I love that in the MCU in general these ideas that oh anytime you're not seeing an Avenger they're doing something cool somewhere else. Like, yeah. that's just a, f I mean, I know that's the crux of comics in general, <laughs> but I'm really excited they're exploring that. Yeah. I mean, that's that. I think it's one of those things with this current phase of Marvel that is really exciting where it is. They have 
laid the foundation of where they've gotten the trust from the mouse to kind of like have a little more freedom to try weirder stuff as we've seen in the TV stuff. And I hope they kind of do it with the movie. I think even one thing I liked about Black Widow is the opening credits sequence was very Bourne-esque. Like it really was. And it goes back to what I like about the Marvel movies and what I feel they do well, which is they choose a genre and they stick with it. But what's fun is I think in this one, we get something a little fun where it starts off in this spy drama and kind of turns into this family-esque, you know, like a family spy drama, but in a way... Like, uh, uh, like Fast and Furious, some would say. Yeah, yeah, some would say uh, uh, like our spy kids. A little bit of Fast and Furious, a little bit of spy kids, yeah. Uh, yeah, so so this was, this was a really fun... Uh, just uh entry into it and i and i feel the same way it was fun seeing the weavingness and it's and this one i think is like you say you can watch it on your own it really feels like and i hope this is the trend with all future marvel movies now that we've kind of did the big thing where it feels like it's kind of stepping away from trying so hard to con- have be such a huge connective tissue yeah that's piece. not happening Alonzo hates to rain on that parade, but here's some rain. Uh, Yeah, Yeah. this is what not. It's not what they do. It's not 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 the business they're in. No, and when I said it doesn't amount to much, I I, I was not meaning to shade the film. I just mean in terms of the fact that it's, Mm -hmm. you know, it kind of bugs me that you know we've had now. This is we've had two female-led solo films that have both taken place like at previous points of the timeline, and the next one we're getting is a team movie, which is like. All of which feels like a dodge. Like, just make one with a female protagonist that's also, like, where it's supposed to be in the timeline of the MCU and right. s- stop with the shenanigans. But in the meantime, no, there's a lot to like here. I I, I like that they're, they're having fun with the spy stuff. I like that it's... But yeah, it it does bring up these family issues in and 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 in a context in which no one's really related to each other, but they nonetheless have this shared history and this shared past. You know, uh, I do find it weird that the the movie operates in a sphere in which the Soviet Union is still a thing in 1995. <laughs> um, I think it's because the actual illegals program that this and the Americans, like you referenced, is based uh-huh. on didn't start till the early 90s. And that was the one that was busted, the ring that was busted in America in like 2010. Huh. And so, but they do, they conflate a little of like, oh, you guys remember Soviet dramas, right? <laughs> like the program they're mentioning didn't start till the 90s. But certainly they're definitely leaning into like, ah, oh, Cold War. You guys remember that? Just, yeah. just a little. Well, you because just I mean, remember just a little. I mean, the character in the comics, born in the 60s, was very Cold War and was super timely, you know. And, and But but whatever. It was still, you know, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. Uh, Florence Pugh is like just magic. I, I just was loved every second she was on screen. And I'm thrilled that she's going to be popping up in these Rachel Vice, I've always been a huge fan of, uh, you know, David Harbour is, is a riot and, you know, not bad to look at. And so it's just, it was all like, uh, it was all working for me. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I wish that like that Natasha were still around because I think the four of them together are a lot of fun. And it's, you know, and obviously if they can make these movies out of the timeline and Scarlett Johansson's like, yeah, sure. I'll do one that's set, you know, after this one, but before the blah, 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 then, you know, sure. Why not? And they very much could like she, you know, one of the interesting things with Natasha 
is in Infinity War, which follows this now chronologically, Natasha stepped up as the kind of de facto head. She's the one sort of crying over peanut butter sandwiches while having people report in from around the galaxy, essentially. Um, And so, and knowing that, like, that's what I mean of the poignancy, knowing those things and even, and then seeing what she's come through with this. And, you know, like the other thing that I think was, there's actually so many things I think were really shrewd about the story choices here. But like Alonzo said, there, she has to bring back together her family, but it's not. It is, it's her, it's the younger sister, Florence Pugh, was also just another child, probably stolen or a band, like, stolen from her own family and raised within this dark thing. And then both the parents are, you know, p- p- part, what is it, privy to it? Like they're, they're there like knowingly as, sure, as agents. Yeah. And so it also lends to when you're retrofitting this way and you're like, okay, we need her to fit in here. But also she's been mentioning her history for so long and her training and like this. And if the idea of like Natasha, who's like, I'm a lone wolf. And then you found out she had an actual sister and mother and father. And you're like, yeah, you're not a lone wolf. You're just a dick who doesn't go home ever. <laughs> and and making it more complicated than that was really smart. And the other thing that I think so uh, shrewdly took advantage of it was, you know, they, they keep referring to Budapest. And this was this big moment that's come up in Avengers. It's come up in Age of Ultron. Like she's mentioned it numerous times. And she's also, again, there's that great showdown scene with Loki where she's talking about her, her ledgers are dripping with red. And you find out she did do something really terrible and selfish and harmful in a way that you're like, oh, you actually earned the guilt that you carry with you because you 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 killed an innocent and you knowingly killed an innocent. And it it, it weaves it fits perfectly what we, with what we know of Natasha, but it gives weight to it in a really fun way. I always love when you can look back even within a single movie, but certainly in a long thread like this and be like, ooh, see, taking the time to have like this inform everything that came before is so much better than just look at them all fight. Oh, <laughs> look at all the fighting. Yeah, there are some fun sort of self-aware moments in addition to sort of like bringing a lot of plot things to fruition. Like the whole discussion about poses is hilarious. Oh my um, God. The, the idea that like, you know, that, that she's not one of the major ones. <laughs> you know, oh, I was hoping we were going to get one of the big ones. <laughs> you know, that, that she's yes. kind of this. But she's this, just, she's the most uninteresting Avenger. Like, yeah. oh, just you. One of the also-rans, you know. Um, yeah, no, I, so I, I think the, they're definitely sort of playing around with what we know about this character, what we know about the franchise at this point, um, you know, and it, it, at the same time, though, there were moments where I kind of felt like I was watching the season five finale of the Black Widow show. And and she's basically just like doing her best to sort of like introduce you to these new characters who are going to be taking over and you're going to love them, too, America. You know, um, there, there's there's a, there's quite a bit of baton passing happening here. Certainly. But I, I do really like all of those characters. Yeah. And I also really loved seeing Natasha, who has been in a literal boys club, right? She's been the Mm. sole woman for so long, has great chemistry with all the dudes in the Avengers. Watching her 
and her rapport with Florence Pugh or Rachel Weiss, or like that all of the widows that they're up against, that there's all these women that they're battling. There was something so great about the female energy. So them plus David Harbour, like I think I would have cared more about the baton passing if I didn't genuinely enjoy oh, sure. all of the time spent with them. Right? Because they're so, yeah, you said it yourself. Like they're they're very... <laughs> Fun and, and and do keep an eye out. Uh, whenever a movie goes to Budapest, they almost entirely, they almost inevitably have a fight in that apartment building. Yes, <laughs> they, it's they, the Atomic Blonde one, right? It, it's an Atomic Blonde. It's in Spy. It's in Red Sparrow. <laughs> it is like that's every, the fight building. Everybody loves that building for fights because it's got all the balconies and the inside courtyard and stuff. So yeah, you'll you'll now that you've seen it, you'll keep seeing it in all these movies whenever they're in Budapest. That's why I won't go to that building. It's like I don't go to haunted houses. And look how nice my life is. I got no ghosts and I don't fight with people. I don't go to haunted houses because I got kicked out on the adults only tour. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you did. Yeah. Yeah, no, this was this was a fun. And I I, yeah, you do kind of feel the the baton pads. But that's what I what Drea, what you mentioned is exactly what I felt. It was kind of like this breath of fresh air of this like one character who was stuck being around so many men to have a movie like where it's all women, even like Taskmaster, who's been like written as a man before is revealed to be this woman. And, you know, I do want to do a tight asterisk sidebar to talk about like, you know, there is a huge conversation around uh you know evil people having like burns and disfigurements in movies and uh you know um it, it didn't like like it it kind of like touched on it a, like a little bit not like like he was like oh cover your face and i was like oh no but I do like that Taskmaster is a woman and it was really cool like letting also Taskmaster get that last fight that ends in this like forgiveness it's a very it's a very you know it, yeah. it, it, it well, was very I, like and I, I think the movie is very clear about like if she's covering her face it's because her dad is a dick yes yeah, exactly <laughs> yes that's the that yeah. he's that and he has a line like I, I hate to look at her like it's yeah. yeah you're right it's very much and actually I'm glad you brought that up the Ray Winston of it the other thing that they had to navigate with this was setting up a villain that would be worth this you know like it's an avengers movie it's in the mcu Mm -hmm. it needs to feel like hugely globally significant not just oh no this shop is gonna close like and so to do that but then it's operating when they're all of the avengers are on earth and like around (laughs) you know what i mean so they set up that he has like the shadow thing but i also appreciated that she goes from being you know uh, versus Thanos and versus whatever, like it's a very human um, operator that's the villain, and he also had such shades of like Harvey Weinstein and just <laughs> toxic grossness. It's this <laughs> man who is disgusting and crude, and his entire thing is abusing and taking advantage of women and making them work for him and be. What is it? Not unconscious, but um, uh, mind uh, controlled. Yeah. Like that. Just there's so much like there that I thought was topical, but also it's that hard thing of like, okay, so we need a bad guy, right? That fits into all of this and like has this huge thing in place, but somehow none of the Avengers or anyone else has noticed until right now. And that part of his weapon is a pinky ring. That really tells you everything you need yes. to know about toxic masculinity. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. 
that pinky ring bless its heart <laughs> but that they showed like the idea you know we get this opening and this was the first marvel film since i think iron man 2 that's had an opening title sequence and that you know it's giving us that feathering of like this is what happened to these girls when they were young or whatever <laughs> um but also we're seeing those images of ray winston with like bill clinton and <laughs> right. condoleezza rice and you're like Oh, yeah, that actually is scarier to me. I don't think there is a floating, uh, like, villain Satellite. fortress that's, I mean, I could be wrong, though. But that still seems more possible than Thanos. <laughs> yeah, don't make any assumptions here, Dre. You don't know what's going yeah, yeah, yeah. on. You don't know what's going on. They're listening you to me right know. now. That's yeah. right. All right. Well, you know, we're, we, we've had fun. We went in. It's time for the final review. Would you screen it, stream it, or skip it? No, I, I would absolutely uh, uh, screen it. Um, I know a lot of people are streaming it because you can get it on Disney Plus uh, for that extra little bit of money there. Um, but, you know, because it is operating in the 007 you know, vain. Uh, yeah, you want to see it big. You want to see the 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 big escape from the you know Russian prison with the airship and the whatever else is going on. You know, uh, and it's it's very solidly entertaining and really well acted. And you know, the 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 casting for these Marvel movies, it just. You, I'm just always flabbergasted. It's like, oh, they got her? <laughs> they, really? She said yes? Okay. And then they give them stuff to do, you know? And so it's like, yeah, they're, they're goofy genre movies or whatever, but like it's a goofy genre movie with, you know, uh, Rachel Weisz and Florence Pugh who could be doing Chekhov right now if they felt yes. like it, but they're doing this and they're imbuing this with as much Chekhov energy as they can. So, you know, yeah, screen it. Yes. In high five to Alonzo for yeah. mentioning Chekhov, of course. <laughs> I wondered who would do it, and it was him <laughs> this time around. Um, I'm definitely a screen it. I had so much fun watching this. It's fast and enjoyable. There's really fun combat. It's um, a, There's a poignant story. It's doing a lot. It's moving along at a really nice pace. And also, um, it sets up the idea of them having all of these things come through, not just story, but wardrobe-wise. There is a prominent vest that Natasha wears in Infinity Wars and Black Widow is its origin story. And <laughs> for that alone, worth the price of admission. Yeah, I'm going I'm to screen it. Uh, but, you know, the fun of streaming Marvel movies is you could just fast forward to the post credit scene. You can just get to it. You ain't got to <laughs> wait for it. You know, even though I do love and respect everyone who has worked on this movie, I kind of just want to see what happened. Uh, truly, thank you to everyone. Everyone <laughs> down to the riggers, down to the VFX thank uh, you for coordinators. Your thank you. I need to see what happens, so I'm going to use the fast forward button. Okay, well, we'll be right back after we hear from another show from Maximum Fun, so just stay right there. More fun after this. Hi, I'm Joe Firestone. And I'm Manolo Moreno. And we host After Game Show, a podcast where listeners submit games and we play them regardless of quality with a dozen listeners from around the world. We've had folks call in from as far as Sweden, South Africa, and the Philippines. Here's an example. Uh, this is a game we've played called Cotton Candy Chicken Nuggets, where you have to sing any eight-syllable phrase to the tune of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. You have an example, Manolo? Yeah, here's one. Little baby turkey turnips. Oh, nice. Thanks. Dr. Game Show has new episodes every other Wednesday on Maximum Fun. 
Check us out. Please. Welcome back to Maximum Film. I'm your host, Ify Wadiway. In the studio with me are Alonzo Duraldi, Drea Clark. And today, producer Casey has put yet another quiz for us today. So, Casey, what is it? Hi, guys. Great to be here. You know, today we talked about a superhero movie based on a bug. So today, <laughs> we're doing a quiz of bug-related heroes. Oh, my God. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I know I think two others, end of list. <laughs> just keep an open mind. We'll do, uh, and I'm sure every question, this is a pretty easy quiz. So okay. whoever's kind of fastest on the trigger will be able to get it. Okay. What should our buzzing word be? Bug. Bug. <laughs> bug. Bug. <laughs> Very good. So buzz in with bug. Bug. <laughs> bug. Yep. Yes. Thank you. All right. Are you ready? Oh, my goodness. Why yes. not? Okay. Here we go. This unlikely teen hero has had eight theatrically released feature bug. films over the last... I heard Drea first. Spider-Man. That is correct. Spider-Man. That's the easy one. Get it out of Oof. the way. But you got it. Okay. Here we go. Question Wait, number two. Wait, did you two. want to read the rest of that? Because you spent like the time researching. Like... I, you, there wasn't much left. Okay. It, it, it had eight theatrically released feature films over the last 20 years. Okay. You got it. All right. Here we go. In this film, eccentric scientist Seth Brundle just bug, wanted to bug. invent... Oh. Alonzo. The Fly. Nice. That's correct. Nice, nice. He's a hero of sorts. Brundle Fly. Yeah, no, I, Hell um, yeah. Okay. You think that's a bit of a stretch, Iffy? Ah! Yeah, oh yeah. You think this whole quiz is a bit of a stretch, Iffy? He's a protagonist, if not a hero. <laughs> of sorts. Once you, once you have to say of sorts, you know you're already stretching. Uh-oh. Well, then you're not going to like this next question. <laughs> This hero of sorts, this little dude, acts as the conscience of a certain little pug bug. boy. Drea. Jiminy Crickets. That's this, correct. Jiminy Crickets. This quiz is a crock. <laughs> I'm going to just say. Says <laughs> the loser. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, wow. All right. <laughs> Thank you, Alonzo. Uh, all right. Sportsman this, Here we go. This superhero is a former petty criminal who can get real Bug. tiny. Ant-Man. Yes, Iffy. Good job. Oh, You're on the board. Yeah, this was the actual hero. This, one, this, is a, this game's actually kind of cool on second. Uh, I'm sorry. Jiminy Cricket represents... The conscience of a young yes. boy keeps him on the straight and narrow. That is exactly what a hero should be doing, sir. If you've seen any of my tweets, you know the conscience isn't a hero. <laughs> it's, uh, <laughs> it's lazy on the it's job. An impediment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, here we go. This parody superhero has had three different television shows in the past. Oh, the tick. I, I can't. I, uh, I, yes, heard Alonzo. Alonzo. Yeah. I heard Alonzo. I heard Alonzo first. The oh, tick is okay, correct. Dre. Oh, that wasn't what I was going to say, so I'm glad it wasn't me. Yeah, I was going to say the tick. All right, here we go. The next one. This superhero was featured in X2, X-Men United, but no other sequels because the actor who played him found the makeup process too excruciating. 
Read the question again. This superhero was featured in X2, X-Men United, oh, but no fuck. other sequels because the actor who played him found the makeup process too excruciating. I can give a second clue. Please. He's played by Alan Cumming. But Alan? Uh, Nightcrawler. That's correct. Oh. A Nightcrawler is, of course, a big oh, I will. I cannot wait till I see you in public, Casey, because that is the most fucking bullshit. Wait, like, worms Nightcrawler are in this? <laughs> Nightcrawler's a bug. It's Nightcrawler a is a bug, but Nightcrawler he the mutant a is not a bug. No, no. Nightcrawler the mutant is not a bug. If anything, he, it's a he bug has a named look. hero. He no, means it's not just the names. Yeah, Ant-Man's not a fucking ant, oh dude. <laughs> I'm going to... Yes, yes, I'm going to yes. scream. This is amazing. <laughs> oh, Ooh. my God. <laughs> All right, here we go. The final question. <laughs> you called him dude. <laughs> <laughs> this superhero is one of the oldest being created in 1936 for radio. The most recent film adaptation of this Hero came out Bug. in 2000. The Green Hornet, you piece yes. of shit. Damn it. No. <laughs> <laughs> Green Hornet's what I was going to guess for the tick, so I'm glad it oh, at least made it. Oh, very good. You Alonzo, dirty. you're the winner, but Ooh. it was close. But it's you a croc, three. so, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you won your sham thing, Casey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is your. You, you should take a job doing uh, riddles for the devil, Casey. <laughs> the devil! Th this was better than some stupid BuzzFeed quiz I've done, you know? Yeah. I thought it was a great quiz. Thank you, Dre. And that's props, not just because I did better than Iffy. Yeah. <laughs> that's it. That's all I got. That was Bye good. Now. That was very good. Oh, it's oh. not often that we get to tell each other to fuck off on this show. Yeah, so. Oh yeah, yeah. So we got to take advantage. The moment. Yes. Yes. Mm. All right. Well, uh, now it's time for staff picks. It could be any movie at all. So Drea, why don't you start? All right. So the film that I am recommending as a staff pick is called Summertime. Um, it's directed by Carlos Lopez Estrada. It's currently in theaters. It's a small indie film. Carlos directed Blind Spotting, which I think we spoke about, and then uh, Raya and the Last Dragon. Um, and this is a very sort of big swing. He's got range. He's he's a, he's a young man with a lot of range. And um, it's it's a really interesting project that came out of um, a spoken word poetry for teens group. And then all of the teens involved, I think there's 25 or 26 of them who are the stars of this. It's got a sort of musical poetry hybrid. They're all credited as co-writers. And um, it has a sort of, it's one day in LA and kind of past the mic. And so you're moving through different parts of the city and hearing from these kids. And there's such an amazing level of sincerity and optimism to it. And that it's actually from their voices rather than this treacly, like, oh, I, I want these teens to say positive things. It makes me very happy to think they actually think some of those things. So um, it's the kind of film I love to support. It is in a small amount of theaters now and growing, and it's called Summertime. So if you can catch it in the theater, great. It will also be available digitally at some point. How's that? Put that in your calendar. <laughs> Someday. 
you could rent or stream this. Uh, so mine is in keeping with the I can't believe who Marvel gets for these movies. Uh, a film starring both Rachel Weisz and Tom Hiddleston, who's currently starring as Loki on Disney Plus, and that would be Terrence Davies' The Deep Blue Sea, not to be confused with Deep Blue Sea. Deepest, L- Lewis, yeah. my head is like a shark's fin. Yes, exactly. Yeah. There is none yeah. of the, the Samuel L. Jackson is not devoured by a shark in this one, but it's still good anyway. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a story about uh, a, a, a woman in an unhappy marriage after World War II and uh, whose lover is a cad, uh, played by Tom Hiddleston, um, who can't shut up about his glory days. And it's an incredible, incredible Rachel Weisz performance. Like, I remember really uh, uh, campaigning hard for her that year for, for LA Film Critics for Best Actress. And so uh, it's a movie that I think a lot of people may have missed. And it's got some some faces that you now know very well, thanks to the Marvel Universe. And it is currently streaming on Canopy and Hoopla and Tubi. So check it out. Nice. Good call and good use of the word CAD. I, I don't, I don't hear that enough. I like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, I'm going I'm to keep the, the spy action train rolling. I'm going to just say Atomic Blonde. I'm going to just put that all back on there. Watch that again. Go back to Budapest and see. Co-starring exactly that what, building. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. I was going to say. See exactly what Alonzo was talking about uh, and laugh and tweet at us and tell us how much you enjoyed it. Uh, keep it simple. Keep it simple. Quick and simple. Much like today's delicious episode alonzo andrea thank you for another great episode okay thank you it's always good to have you in here it's always good to go on this journey with you if you have a comment or suggestion about this week's show tweet at us at maximum underscore film our facebook group can be found at www.facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash maximum film or send us an email at maximum film at maximumfun.org. Our producer is Casey O'Brien, who makes up bullshit quizzes. <laughs> Our senior producer is Laura Swisher, who would never do that to us. This is a production of Maximum Fun. Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned, audience supported.